0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620.
1: And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. We start off with a, with a federal program, Your Tax Dollars at Work, which is getting ready to make my head explode. These are the initials you need to know, because my guess is it will affect most of you, whether you deserve it or not. EBB it it is the Emergency Broadband Benefit. It's being launched today. And this is part of all that pandemic relief money that, that came through as part of the last couple bills, you know, the ones that got everybody their, their stimulus checks. Ebb. If you want to find out where you can go to apply, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I've got a link to a story that's got a link to the documents. But but here's the deal: the thinking is, and this is this is true, that that people need access to the internet. We we've learned that as a result of the ongoing pandemic, that you know where the schools closed down and you need remote learning. People need to have access to the internet. Fine. There are also some people who because Of their financial situation well maybe they have a tough time paying for the Internet okay fine get that so as a result of that the government has launched EBB again the emergency broadband benefit which is open to well I'll describe that in a second but here's what the benefit is if you apply for and qualify for EBB you will get you will get a $50 check every month sent from the government to your internet provider you you don't get it directly but it goes to your internet provider and 50 bucks a month comes off your bill technically it's not supposed to be used for things other than internet but if you do one of those bundles, you know, where you've got the internet and the cable TV and the uh, phone or whatever, if you got that all put in, you, you, it's 50 bucks. You know, they, they don't, they don't sort it out. So, you know, indirectly, that $50 that's supposed to be used to pay for people's internet, well, it's actually being used to offset and help underwrite your cable TV costs. Because, again, it's just going directly to the internet service provider. 50 bucks. And the whole notion is, well, that's, that's good. You know, we, we want to make it easy for people. We, we don't want to make it too hard for people to qualify for this. And we, we just think it would be terrible in this pandemic if people were losing their, their internet. All right. So the Federal Communications Commission, again, I've got a link to this, ha- has, has a questionnaire. How do I qualify for, for EBB? Who, who, who qualifies for this? And I assume when you think about one of these programs, you would think, well, this is going to be another one of these programs that goes to, you know, low income people or maybe people who've had their, their internet turned off because they haven't been able to pay for this. Well, okay, that's true, but only partly true. Here's the deal with EBB. As long as you apply for it, you will qualify. For example, you will qualify if you receive food stamps, okay. You will qualify if you receive Medicaid. You require you qualify if you're on supplemental Social Security income. If you get federal public housing assistance, you can get the fifty dollar a month benefit. If you have a kid who qualifies for free or reduced price lunches at school, you can get the fifty dollar a month rebate. If you receive a federal Pell grant for education, you can get a the fifty dollars as well. And here's the kicker. In addition to all of that, if you, if your current annual income, as reported on your tax returns, a single person filing a loan, if your income is below $99,000, you qualify for this $50 rebate a month. If you are, again, married, so you're, you're filing jointly. And your joint income is under one hundred ninety eight thousand dollars. You and your spouse, your family qualifies for the fifty dollar rebate. You did not hear me incorrectly. If you have a family of, let's say, three or four or whatever, but mom and dad both work. And mom and dad's income is a hundred and nine adjusted gross income after you know all said and done is one hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars or less. The taxpayers will send fifty dollars a month to the cable company or the internet service provider to help offset the cost of internet and or pay for people's cable TV. Now look, I, I understand the, the concept behind this, I guess, and I understand oh and, and by the way, the one thing you have to certify is that you were somehow adversely affected during the pandemic. So for example, if you um let's you, you make the the hundred ninety-eight grand a year or less than that, but you had to take a pay cut. Well you say I I took a pay cut. So you have to file the certification, but there's nobody really looking at this. As long as you claim that you were adversely affected in the pandemic, maybe your hours were cut or whatever, the federal government government, us taxpayers, will pay you $50 a month towards your Internet slash cable TV slash phone service. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Look, I, I, I raise this question seriously. Why in God's green earth? Why in God's green earth should somebody who is on fixed income, for example, paying federal taxes, be subsidizing the Internet... Or the cable TV of somebody who's making one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year. Because that is precisely what is happening. Now why did they pick ninety nine thousand? Because obviously if they picked a hundred thousand, that would sound worse. Why did they pick one hundred and ninety eight thousand? Because if they said two hundred thousand, that would sound worse. But apparently nobody seems to think that there's anything wrong with the taxpayers underwriting internet costs the people who I would argue are in a very good position themselves to pay for their internet and or cable TV. 855-616-1620, that is the Accunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where does this stop? I mean, and seriously, at at what point in time do we say to this gov to our government, look, I mean, what stop with the freebies? You know, this has to be paid for in some fashion. And somebody who's pulling in hundred and fifty grand a year or almost $200,000 a year, I don't think it is irresponsible to say, hey, you should pay for your own high-speed Internet or we shouldn't be underwriting the cost of your cable TV bill. And yet that is precisely what we are doing. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855 1620 people are asking okay how 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 long does this last well they've appropriated 3.2 billion dollars so the program will last until the 3.2 billion dollars is gone or um, I guess six months after the federal government says there, there's no longer an emergency crisis. But, I, of course, I, if you're looking at this federal government, I, I'm not sure they're ever going to say that there's not a crisis due to the pandemic. I think this might be a lifetime pandemic. But, yeah, it, it's it's there. And if you're just tuning in, this program rolled out today. Fifty dollars a piece for people on their inter for your internet. It's a check that if you apply for it, they will send it directly to your internet provider. And again, if you it's supposedly for internet, but if you bundle, you know, like your cable TV with the internet, it, it all it all goes to reduce your bill. If you're paying Spectrum two hundred dollars for internet rolled in with your um, with your uh, cable thing, you know the, the fifty bucks will go, so you pay one hundred fifty. So essentially, taxpayers are helping subsidize in some cases is people's cable TV as well. And it applies to pretty much anybody who's on any sort of federal assistance program and people who make either under $100,000 single or under $200,000 as a family, as long as you simply fill out a certification and say, well, well, I I had a substantial loss uh, due to COVID. All right. So in other words, maybe they cut your salary 10 percent or whatever you're going to qualify. But the bigger picture is why should the taxpayers be subsidizing the Internet costs of somebody who's made over one hundred and ninety five thousand dollars a year or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or one hundred thousand? If you want to target this to the, the people who have lost their jobs, who are making no money. All right, I, I understand that. So I'm not completely dissing the program, but I am saying to allow it for high-income earners is absolutely, what's the word I'm looking for, nuts. Uh, David in San Francisco. David, you're on WTMJ.
2: Oh, yeah, honey. Uh, yeah, there are a couple of different ways of looking at this. Uh, first of all, the uh, I'm old enough to remember when uh, the, the FCC handled uh, the people's property. You know, so, uh, you know, WTMJ's radio signal is going out over the airwaves. The people of America own those airwaves, and the FCC manages them. Uh, And, for example, uh, it's been a number of decades, but for the most part, every radio station is supposed to provide public service. And uh, they're not supposed to be just lying every day, or you know, Uh, providing. Where are we going? Where are we going with
1: this? How does this tie into the the fifty-dollar internet access?
2: Well, the idea that uh, during this epidemic uh, we are doing stimulus things, which, if done properly, we could we could reclaim our internet, we could reclaim our commons by uh, spreading out uh, a payment into what we the people own and for example neglect is expensive you know if you allow a bridge to just fall apart and fall apart and never repair it it gets real expensive you've got to rebuild it from scratch at the beginning well, i'm end. sorry
1: i gotta let you go because i'm sorry that you're way you're way 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 off point this this isn't about Expanding internet service or that this isn't, this, this particular program isn't about how we're trying to expand broadband to make sure people in all different parts of, of the state and rural areas have access to it. This is, we want to help people out who might have had problems and might have suffered for things during the course of the pandemic. Oh, okay, fine. So we're helping them with their bills like it's it's the same thinking that goes into the stimulus plan that here we're going to send people, you know, sixteen hundred dollar checks or or whatever. It's the same thinking. This isn't about expanding the Internet. So, again, you have, you know, remote areas that reach it. This is about we want to help people all right and i get it for example i have a text here president biden is looking out for the less fortunate every little bit helps um when you're struggling in urban areas and and i guess see it's thinking like that like the texture that this is what makes my head explode about this okay it's president biden is not looking out for the less fortunate well he's not yeah he's looking out for the less fortunate but this is just a great vote buying scam okay i I guess if we 've now gotten to the point that you have a family, a husband and wife who are making two hundred grand a year one hundred and ninety eight thousand to be precise, they need the taxpayers they need okay if you 're a feder- if you 're a retiree work on a pension, making $40,000 a year, you know, by the time you add everything in, okay, you are now subsidizing the Internet of the less fortunate, that would be somebody making hundred and ninety-eight grand a year. Now, look, I, I understand if you wanted to target this to the people who, you know, really aren't able to pay their, their Internet bills, that would be fine, but that's not what we're doing here. We're doing a massive, massive taxpayer giveaway, and in this particular case, it It's not even necessarily an income shift uh, from the rich to the poor. It's an income shift from, I guess, maybe the taxpayers to the upper class, the middle class, and again, maybe the poor. Um, Jeff, he's giving into the less fortunate, not trying to get them working for stuff. He's just giving it out. Well, right. I mean, this, this is it. Like, for example, we talk about this a lot. In Wisconsin, we have a program that says you can't t- shut off utilities from um, what from November 1st through April 15th. That's ultimately now coming to an end after about a year and a half. But the problem with that is you don't do any sort of means testing. So what happens is people just decide, hey, if, if I don't pay my Internet bill, they're going to shut off my cable TV or they're going to shut off my Internet. If I don't pay my car bill, they're going to repo my car. But here, I, I as long as the taxpayers are there and as long as the government is saying they can't shut off my utilities, that's great. And in this case, as long as the government is saying, here, we, we want to help you out. I'm not against helping people out. But seriously, why? Why should you, if you're not making $198,000 a year, why should you be subsidizing the Internet and the cable TV bills of somebody who, who can? Uh, Jeff, $100,000 per year equates to $50 per hour. Yes. Jeff, two words. Biden is buying votes. Jeff, this is crazy. I can understand all the other requirements, but the income requirement is crazy. I should have bought stock in the broadband providers yesterday. Jeff, welcome to socialism. Um, Jeff, think about it. If you play by the rules, I could get a raise and make $75,000. Maybe you need to take a pay cut and make $80,000. You would qualify. Qualify, I wouldn't. Well, you know, there's there's an an element to that. Jeff, internet should be free like TV used to. Well, that's a whole different discussion. Jeff, so help me understand. My husband and I are on a fixed income and make less than 200000 We were not really impacted with the pandemic, so we aren't eligible, but we are helping pay for it. I would love to have $50 off our cable bill, but we have it and we'll continue to pay our bill. Thanks a lot for the show. Jeff, I qualify for this, but I've been buying Collectors' items, statues, and a lot of stuff I don't need. They should dramatically lower annual income criteria. Yeah, that 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 that's exactly it. If this was a program, say, okay, you know, we're we're looking, we see that the internet service and the cable TV service of people. I don't know, maybe making 120 percent of the poverty line or something is is, being shut off. Okay, so you say, all right, we're we're going to target this again to help those who are at the lower socioeconomic strata. I get it. You can have you can make an argument and you can have a debate whether or not that's something that the government should be into. I mean, is that now? The right to have internet service is that the same as the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness is this now a right that the government has to pay for? But you can at least have that argument, but does anybody in their right mind seriously think that if you're pulling in, you and your spouse together are pulling in almost 200 grand a year, you shouldn't be expected to pay the full boat for your Internet coverage? I mean, really, but this is where we've come to um, in this country. Jeff, the government has to stop all this free subsidized happiness. My taxes will go up on one hand so I can get 50 bucks a month off my Internet. This this is Nuts. Pure, gratuitous madness in an attempt to buy votes. Jeff, I am so sick and tired of continually being forced to pay for additional services, accommodations and conveniences for other, be it in the way of taxes or free giveaways from the government. Will this ever end? Well, if if we're now saying the right to Internet If you make less than $200,000 is absolute and the taxpayers have to subsidize there, I don't know if it will ever end. Now, look, I'm just bringing this to your attention. Now I, I understand there's going to be a lot of people that apply for it, and if you qualify, you okay, you're you and your spouse make 200 grand a year, but ma- you were impacted by COVID. Maybe you had to take a temporary pay cut or something. So if if you were impacted by that, you can apply again. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got the information. I've got the links. I, I'm not faulting you. I mean, I guess if the government is, if our politicians and the government is stupid enough to give people that money, I I, I don't fault people for applying for it. My point is, where does this end and i think the answer is it doesn't back with more in just a minute welcome
3: back to jeff wagner on wtmj
1: jeff I'm a single mom. Lost my second job due to COVID. Was working at a restaurant. My cable bill is over $200. I have three kids studying virtually at home. $50 off this bill will help me. I'm not upgrading anything. I might be able to get more groceries. The plan isn't all bad. Never said that the plan was all bad. I actually said I understand why this plan is out there for some people, and it should be targeted to people who, I mean, are struggling economically. But my response was, if you're making your single person, if you're making $100,000, I continue to believe that the taxpayers should not be subsidizing your Internet and or cable bill, period. It's not all bad, but this is, again, it's like the whole stimulus thing. You know, we're we're sending money to all sorts of people, and I understand you're sending some money to people who've been adversely impacted by the pandemic, but if you're making the, The types of dollar amounts that we were talking about with the stimulus, why are we sending taxpayer dollars to people who don't need that money or weren't adversely affected? Well, the answer is because it's just a big giveaway, and some people think that money grows on trees, not coming out of taxpayers' pockets. All right, I am not a hockey fan. I, 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 am just, I understand people love hockey. I'm not a hockey fan. But the broadcaster, the long-term broadcaster for the Chicago Blackhawks, which is the Chicago hockey team, he is in a lot of trouble. He was broadcasting the final game of the Blackhawks season on Monday night. So, um, he's the TV announcer and he's talking about the 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 difficulty of the the season, and by by that I mean the the travel restrictions. You know, I don't know if you know this, but right now I, I think. I don't think in any of the leagues, the broadcasters don't travel with the teams. Like, for example, normally when we have our, our Brewers coverage, normally the broadcasters um, go on the road like Lane Grindle and Jeff Levering. They're, they're on the road. They, they get on the plane. They fly on the plane with the team. They stay at the team hotel. Normally that happens. They are not, because of COVID protocols, traveling with the team. They broadcast all the games from, I, I believe they're, they're in Miller Park. So they're there in person for the home games. But when they're doing the road games, they're they're watching on a, they're watching on TV monitors. I'm not sure it's the same ones that we're watching on. And the same thing is true with the NBA games and, and all. They don't travel with the team, so it's been a, a very very difficult year. And and the teams have all these different COVID protocols. There's all these limits as to can you go out and where do you have to stay and are you able to interact with your teammates in the hotel? All sorts of rules like that that are out there. So anyhow, Monday night the. Blackhawks announcer It is sort of wrapping up the season, and, and he's talking about, you know, how difficult the season has been and what a trying year that this has been for the team. And here's what he says. He says, had I been traveling with the team this year, I might have put a bullet in my head. That's what he says. And had I been traveling with the team this year, I might have put a bullet in my head. I I think the tone is the same thing if you say, oh, just shoot me now, you know, or, or my gosh, that I I just I want to kill myself. You know, it's clearly said in 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 that sense, He's not saying literally, I would have put a bullet in my head, but he is using that expression, the figure of speech, just shoot me, I want to shoot myself, this makes you just want to kill yourself, you know, that those phrases that that we use that i think perhaps you know you have used from time to time i know at some point in time in my life i have used that phrase as well oh just kill me now you know it's just yeah, that that's the phrase so anyhow he says had i been traveling with the team this year i might have put a bullet in my head um the internet goes absolutely ballistic on this talking about how he is minimizing. Minimizing the impact of those who are dealing with um, with mental health issues. So the Blackhawks come out and they make a statement. They say this: We are incredibly disappointed in Pat Foley's comments on our broadcast Monday evening. An absolutely unacceptable choice of words that trivialized mental health and suicide while discussing the challenges and loneliness the team may have faced during the COVID-19 restrictions. This is the team statement. We know many of our fans and other community members are struggling with similar thoughts and feelings, especially after this trying year, and we want them to know their well-being is no joking matter. Mental health is of the utmost importance to the Blackhawks, and we are speaking to Pat further about his insensitivity. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, mental health issues are, obviously, it's a huge issue. It is not something that deserves to be mocked. It is not something that deserves to be trivialized. No, no question about it. But is that what the broadcaster was really dealing dealing with? Okay, this has been, it's been an incredibly long year. They've had all these restrictions. If I was traveling with this team this year, I might have shot myself might have put a bullet in my head, might have shot myself, just kill me. You know, okay, I, I, is that trivializing mental illness, or is this an overreaction to what what I think, at least in years past, would be described as, as a figure of speech? When I hear somebody say, oh, just shoot me now, I, I don't think that, oh, they're really encouraging people to go out and shoot themselves. And when I hear somebody say, boy, I want to kill myself, again, in the context of, boy, I've had such a long day, I just want to kill myself. I... I I don't think that that's trivializing mental illness. Matter of fact, I think you could make an argument that taking this this expression that many people, I think, would think would benign and blowing it up in this way, that's perhaps trivializing the, the very real issue that comes with mental illness. 855 that's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, was this just a figure of speech? Or is it something that the guy needs to be reprimanded for? And in addition to that, is this now a figure of speech that we again need to need to get out of our, our our vocabulary? Is this something that you can't say in public anymore? Can you no longer say, "I want to kill myself"? Or, or if this if this sermon goes any longer, I'm just going to shoot myself. If if you say that, all right. Are you trivializing mental illness? Do we have to now cancel that phrase without, again, looking at the context? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, Matt in Hartford. Matt, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing, Jeff? Hi, what do you think?
4: I think that uh, being someone who has had a family member Uh, commit suicide in the way that was uh, described on the radio, I've become more sensitive to that. Um, In before that, I probably used that statement thousands of times, right, Mm -hmm. as a figure of speech. And uh, so I don't think there's uh, necessarily any type of uh, sanctions or discipline that needs to be done to the announcer, but there should be some sensitivity to that because it's an awful way to uh experience uh, well something uh, and, like
1: and, that that. and I don't think any I, I I hope nobody would argue with that point and you know losing a loved one especially in a fashion like that it is got to be awful I guess but if we agree that it, it is a figure of speech and it's not somebody and there, there's no intent to mock somebody who's dangerously mentally ill, you know, obviously, if, if there's, you know, you change the context and, and I get it. You, of course you say that. But if it is just like a figure of speech, like like you said, you know, you, you would have used something like that, you know, countless times in the course of your life. Why should why should people be offended by that if there's no no malicious intent?
4: I don't think there's any reason to be offended. Um there could be, like I said, an awareness to a sensitivity. Yeah. But um I'm not offended by it. I just know that in my life yeah. I don't use it anymore. Right. And um right. you know, I've caught myself a couple of times, you know, saying that and then I I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say that. But uh, am I offended by it? Absolutely
1: not. Yeah, no, th- and I guess I, I mean, I, I, I'm sort of surprised by the reaction because now, I mean, what he said, I might have put a bullet in my head, but I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I know there have been occasions, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one at, um, I it was, it's not my church. I was in a different church a while back, and the the homily went on for 45 minutes and it there wasn't much of a point to the homily and i do remember getting a little bit of restless in the pews and at one point in time i i'm sure i i turned to my lovely bride and i said oh my god he's going on for another 20 minutes just shoot me now and, and it never would have occurred to me that 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 was mocking mental illness and i guess I just, I wonder, do you trivialize the, the, do you, do you trivialize mental illness when you, you know, when, when you say, okay, there's all these people that might be offended about this. Now, the guy's a professional, and I, I understand that there's some things that maybe you would have been able to say in public you know, years ago that you don't say now, and, and I understand. I mean, there's there's certain words like that. There, there's other, especially in the mental illness field. There's there's words that you know maybe were were commonplace, maybe even as recently as five, ten, fifteen years ago that we we don't use anymore because you know we, we found that and justifiably so that these phrases, words, or these phrases are. Are offensive, and I'm thinking of a couple, and I'm not even going to bother repeating them here on the radio. That that maybe you would have said growing up, and you didn't really mean any n- negative inf- you didn't mean to insult people who were, you know, mentally ill or things like that. So I think we have to be sensitive. But I was really curious about this reaction because it seems to me clearly that what the guy is doing is, is just a figure of speech. Nothing more with with no ill intent and certainly no intention to mock people who were in fact dangerously ill, just like it 's been oh, what what a day, just just shoot me now and it is can, do, can we not say that anymore um Jeff, where will it end soon we 're going to be um you know, uh, talking folks off the ledge. Oh wait, we can't say that either. I, I guess. I mean, um, well, I mean that—that's a phrase that I have used. Jeff, what about you're driving me crazy, or that's just crazy, or you're making my head explode? Is that trivializing? Well, I mean, I, I guess when 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 I say that, and I understand that's. I understand this makes my head explode is one of my sort of catchphrases. I, I understand it. I, I think it is sort of descriptive, but it's also figurative. And I, I use that phrase to kind of underscore what the the reaction I have to a particular story and to sort of highlight and foreshadow what my description of that story is, is going to be. It's certainly never intended in any way, shape or form. And I don't believe is interpreted by any reasonable person as being a, an effort to insult you know, people who have uh, mental illness issues. Jeff, I think it's an overreaction. I don't believe that this trivializes mental illness. Um... Jeff, that uh, sounds like you better stop saying I might my head might explode. Um, Jeff, um, I have, after hearing the the nature of your first two stories, I I, I want to shoot myself. Now you can't can't say that anymore, even though I know you're kidding. Jeff, may I just apologize now for anything I've ever said in the past or may say in the future that may in some remote way offend someone somewhere? On second thought, this is Andy in Burlington. He he says. No, Jeff, it is a figure of speech, but I believe it's a poor choice of words for someone on the air. And, and that's, I guess, what the conversation is about this. I mean, it's obviously if you're a sports broadcaster and you're in front of – that. see, that's the other thing. The guy's in front of an open microphone. And I'm, I'm sympathetic to this to the extent that I, I make my living you know, three hours a day, five days a week, X number of weeks a year, speaking into an open microphone. And the guy, I think, was kind of being heartfelt. He was talking about what a long – what a difficult season this has been. And he was trying to underscore that. I don't think there was any intent at all to, again, damage or cause harm or distraction to people um, for, you know, who who were legitimately mentally ill. So I I guess it's this discussion that's out there. Um, The Blackhawks have not decided what, if any, discipline they are going to have. They've said we're going to talk to him. They have apologized for his his comments and I guess that that's that's all well and good to me to, to me this is one where there, there's at least it's certainly not an intentional foul if, if it's a foul it's not an intentional foul and I would hate to see this guy disciplined for that if they want to say okay we, we don't want you using this phrase anymore I, I think that's that's fair enough if he intended to be insens- insensitive I, I would have had no problem at all saying come down on this guy like a, you know like a ton of bricks No no problem with that at all. But I just don't think that's what this was all about. And I'd hate to see the cancel culture claim another victim over this particular issue. All right. We've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next hour of the program. Um, More people at Brewers and Bucks games. And why, why are we really having gasoline shortages? We'll discuss. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. Right, if you were listening to Mike's newscast, and of course you were, you hear the, the story about the the panic that is going on all up and down the eastern seaboard with regard to to gasoline. If you are of a certain age, I mean, I can remember in the 70s when you had the, the what they called the Arab oil embargo. I don't know if you can say Arab anymore, but it, it, was, it was the Arab oil embargo is what they called it. And, and that's where like OPEC shut off or substantially reduced the amount of gasoline coming into this country. We had huge foreign dependency and, and you would have situations where you would have gas lines. You would have some gas stations that would, would only be open on alternate days. Or you were only allowed to put gas in your car on on either odd or even days, depending on what the last digit of your license plate was. I mean, you, you can if you are like I say of a certain age, you you remember that. Well, right now we are going through at least on the East Coast their own version of of this the the Arab oil embargo. Um, what you have is in Florida. The governor has declared a state of emergency over gasoline supply. Seventy one percent of the gas stations in Charlotte, North Carolina, are are now empty. Um, You have just runs on gas all up and down the eastern seaboard. I know why it's happening now. And I will tell you in in just a second, and we will discuss. Now, you might say, Jeff, well, well, of course, we we know why this is happening. It's happening because there is is a a pipeline company that provides 55% of the gasoline through this pipeline to all the gas stations and fuel companies all up and down the eastern seaboard. And what's happened is this um, pipeline company has been cyber-attacked by uh, some enterprise in Eastern Europe. I don't think it's necessarily the R- Russian government, but it's one of these these. Sort of like dark groups that attacks again computer systems, vulnerable computer systems, and demands millions of dollars, or else they take them down. So what's happened is this pipeline company has gone offline. They had to shut down the pipeline because all all the pipeline the pipelines are very very computer dependent. You know it's that's it's the computers that tell you you know how much of you know how much is moving through the pipeline here or there, and there's sensors and all these things that tell you if there's a problem. Well, it, it's been attacked, and so it's been off. Line. They had to shut down the pipeline last weekend, and at least as of today, today is Wednesday, the, the flow of gas has not resumed through the pipeline. Now, there's still plenty of gasoline. There's still plenty of gasoline because you've got lots of gasoline that is in storage. For exactly these types of things. Plus, they're still producing, you know, um, oil in, in the Gulf of Mexico. But what they have to do now is, since the pipeline is down, you have to transport it via truck, which is, it's a slower, it's a more expensive way of going about it. So, you, you have th- this problem, and maybe if you if you watch the news, you see like people cutting in and out of these lines, and these lines that are lasting a couple hours, and fist fights uh, against this, and, and and everybody's upset, and everybody's pointing fingers, and you know the question is why is this happening? And I know why it's happening. And to borrow a phrase from the the comic strip Pogo, which ran from the forties to the seventies, I grew up kind of reading this. When, and they sort of borrowed a phrase from a, a famous naval battle in 1812. I, I know why this is happening. See, we, we have met the enemy, and he is us. We have met the enemy, and, and he is us. You know why this is happening? You know why that there's runs on these gasoline stations? You know why that there's the fistfights and the long lines and all this stuff? It, it's it's not because there isn't gas. It It's us. It's because you have panic buying that is going on. It's the same reason that we had toilet paper shortages at the beginning of the the COVID pandemic. It wasn't that there wasn't enough toilet paper that was out there. There was plenty of toilet paper that was there. But what happened is you had people that were rushing into the Costco's of the world, and instead of buying, I don't know, one dollar, one thing, a toilet paper that's got 36 rolls or however many they have, they were buying four. They, they were just hoarding it. And so as a result, you created this artificially, the stores ended up getting emptied. This is the same thing that's going on now with the gasoline. There, there's plenty of gas that, that's out there, but the problem is you have people who are rushing to the gasoline stations, who are freaking out and saying, "Okay, well, I've got to, I've got I've, I've to fill up my, I've got to fill up my car now," and so I, I have to stand in line. I, I don't really need gas, but I got to get in line and I, I got to hit this now. And as a result, it, it's creating a run on the gasoline stations. Where if people just waited till they actually needed gas, I, I don't think that there'd be a problem at all. But when everybody is freaking out and saying, Okay, normally I fill up on Saturday, but now I got to rush and I got to fill up on Wednesday. All right, is creating this artificial demand. So it's us. Our number is 855 616 1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. I mean, I I see the same thing around here. Whenever you have the the weather report and they say it's going to snow a little bit. And, and what happens is everybody runs to the, the convenience stores or the grocery stores, and all of a sudden there's no milk on the shelf. And all of a sudden there's no, we, whatever. They, they, people just panic by. All these things, without recognizing that well okay i 've lived here almost all my life i 've lived through a couple major blizzards. I mean, I remember the blizzard in two thousand and ten right before the week of the Super Bowl and or I guess that was two thousand and eleven you know that with the week the Packers went Super Bowl in Dallas I, mean, I remember that you had you had a major you had a blizzard flat out blizzard on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, the streets were open, but we seem to think that, oh my gosh, this is all going to be gone, and, and we 've got to get it we 've got to run. And buy every roll of toilet paper that we can find because, what, we're not going to be able to go to the store for the next nine months? 855-616-1620. That's the accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. I think, I think we're to blame for what's going on on the East Coast. And, and maybe it's human nature, but if people would just calm down, wouldn't things be better? We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Five five six one, six, one, six twenty That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. And and believe me, I understand. There's there's large issues involving that this attack on the cyber attack on the pipeline producers. I mean, what what does it say about killing the Keystone pipeline? Don't we realize that you know we, we need. We, we need to have gasoline. We need to have fuel coming into this country. And the idea, let, let's kill a pipeline, makes no sense. I, I understand also the other issue is, you know, what do we need to do to upgrade our our system, our computerized systems, to, to make us less vulnerable to this type of stuff? And the, the, the computer systems in a lot of our of our energy infrastructure are extremely old. And I, I doubt that in many cases they've been updated like they should. So that's a that's an issue as well that's out there. But I guess just looking at what is going on right now, you know, today in Florida, today in Charlotte, North Carolina, today all up and down the east coast where you see the, these lines and fist fights and things like that, it, it's 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 not based on a rational shortage of gasoline. It's based on a shortage of gasoline which is temporary, which was caused by people panicking. And it's that that panic mentality that, again, I, I think if people would just behave in a normal, rational fashion, you wouldn't see a problem. Buy the toilet paper when you need it, okay? You know, buy it, buy enough for a couple extra weeks, but, you know, when you buy three years' worth of toilet paper, you're, you're not really helping yourself, you're hoarding, and you're contributing to the panic. Same thing true with gasoline. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff.
1: You know, one thing
3: this uh, 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 pandemic has shown, that Americans are very, very soft, that we don't handle a little crisis very well. The fact is, is that this is a non-crisis, yeah. and we see how people are panicking. This is a non We have plenty of oil. We have plenty of fuel. And, and, and people are just just getting into fistfights over nothing yeah right. the fact is the fact is these pirates know this. this is why right. they, they're, they're they're doing this and they're, and, they're, and, they're, and they're asking for huge ransoms right. in order to let some of our cyber things go. The fact is they're holding this country hostage basically and because American people are so soft the people in third world countries, It's amazing how they handle crises and they still survive with little or nothing. Right. And we have everything over here, and we can't even ha- handle a week, a, a pipeline down, basically a week right. that we have to get it, get into this panic mode. It's unbelievable.
1: Well, right, and you know, you, you talk about like the ultimate first world problem. Hey, I, I've got I've got three quarters of a tank of gas, but i I, I so I but I've got a rush and I've got to top it off. I'm I'm not really going to need gas until like next Tuesday, but I've got a rush now and ju- and just top this off. So I'm going to stand in line. It's you're exactly right. We we are our own worst enemy and we play into all the, these different fears and we make it easy for these, like you say, the pirates to exploit this because you do something like this, they have to shut down for the pipeline for a week and they know that you're going to have millions of Americans that panic when there's no reason to panic.
3: No reason to panic whatsoever. And so it, it, it's, an, it's, it's amazing to me that we need to, we need to buck up a little bit in this country. Or oh, we're we're in the future. We're going to be faced with a lot, a lot of struggles because if we panic over something that's not even a, yeah. a crisis, I just yeah. wait till we have a real crisis in this country.
1: Yeah. You know, th- no. Thanks for calling. And, and again, you, I, the, the the thing that is the closest to this was was the whole toilet paper thing at the start of of the pandemic. There, there was always plenty of toilet paper. Now the problem was that you know the it was was the supply chain you know in other words you you have these stores that uh, typically will say okay we're going to sell I, we'll, we'll sell a hundred units of, of toilet paper in a week, however big the, the, the units are, and so we, you know, we order this from the trucks, and so the trucks bring in, you know, they, they they're at the plant and they bring in, you know, a hundred units, and then we sell it, and the next week we get another hundred units. Well, what happened? And it, so it wasn't like there wasn't toilet paper, but what happens is, if all of a sudden you normally sell a hundred units of toilet paper in a week, you have a hundred people that show up. You have you have. 20 people that show up on a Monday and they buy, they each buy, you know, five units or whatever. And all of a sudden, all the stuff is gone. It's gone. So then the other people come and they can't find it. So people end up just hoarding it because, well, they're, they're panicked and they end up buying a four-year supply of toilet paper. So it's not that there's not toilet paper out there. Again, it's just like you can't you can't keep it on the store shelves because people are buying way more than they need. And And this is the same thing that's going on with gasoline. And again, I'm not down playing that all the issues that, that come with these cyber attacks and things like that. That's that's you know the, the subject of a whole nother show which is you know <clears throat> What, what are we going to do to you know try to hold these these pirates accountable for their violations of the law what do the companies need to do to upgrade their their computer systems to make them less likely to be victims of these kind of attacks uh, th- those are all fair questions but but right now it's like we wouldn't we would this would not be a story or at least it would not be a headline story were it not for the behavior of of people. And, you know, it, it's easy, on, on one hand, to say, oh, it's those folks in North Carolina, and it's those folks in Georgia, and those folks in Florida, and those, uh, that's, that's, this is Virginia's problem. But we, we see that here, This this the same thing would happen here if you had a similar sort of circumstance, because, again, we see this all the time. Whenever there's bad weather coming in, people flock and they buy, you know, every gallon of milk they can possibly find. When you're like, okay, it, the, the storm is going to move in. It's going to be gone in, in 12 or 24 hours, and you know, chances are the stores are going to be open the next day. Worst-case scenario, worst-case scenario, you know, stores will be open two days from now. Why do you need a month's supply of milk? Why do you need to buy every can of canned soup that they have? But we, we do, and, and, and we panic. And a lot of times, if we could just engage in normal behavior, I mean, one of my big philosophies of life this isn't one of wagner's rules of life this is just a philosophy of life is that everything works if you let it and i just i just think about it i mean every, most stuff just it most stuff everything works if you let it and a lot of times when we decide to monkey around with stuff that that's that's where things get screwed up there wouldn't have been a gasoline shortage maybe maybe the prices go up a little bit because there's a you know temporary supply and demand thing but you wouldn't have stations running out three days into this if it weren't for the fact that people were behaving in the mode of uh, like just behaving like scared rabbits and that was what creates a problem so in this case you know i you know i have seen the enemy and, and he is us back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: The NFL schedule release happens today. While you're listening to the Brewers Cardinals game on WTMJ, check out Greg Matzik and Gabe Knightsow on Facebook Live to find out who the Packers will face and when for the 2021 season. Catch the full schedule release on the 620 WTMJ Facebook page. We're your home. For Packers football. All right, so I have um, – we, we've been getting swamped with, with texts about this, and um, one of our regular listeners is named Laura, and Laura lives in Las Vegas. She just sent me a picture. Jeff, there are folks in Vegas who are lining up to get gas, gas at Costco. We're not even affected by the pipeline. And right, right. I mean, this th- this is a pipeline that services the East Coast. It has – it. it other than the fact that, I mean, obviously – You know, energy is is a national sort of issue. But but there's no shortage of gas in Las Vegas unless it's created by people panicking and lining up to fill up their tanks in, in Costco. When you don't need to. Jeff, you were talking about the toilet paper shortage. My daughter worked at Walmart when this was going on. Whenever the toilet paper would come in, they would just put the unopened, bo- they would put the giant boxes on the floor, open them, and then run away <laughs> because uh, people were just t- descending to try to grab the toilet paper. Again, we're just our, we're, we're our own worst enemy when it comes to this. And, and then a couple of people are texting and they are making a, a fair point. Jeff, the media covering things like this certainly doesn't help out with their chicken little attitude. Um, yeah, there, there, there is an element of that as well. Another text, Jeff. I believe the media has a lot to do with stirring up the panic, right? And it is, it, it is a kind of like a chicken and egg sort of thing. So you've, you've got. I remember when this first. Happened, And I, when I first saw the reports over the weekend, I think it was like Sunday's, Sunday that, that the story broke about the pipeline. And, and the reporting in the beginning was very, very clear. It said, look, this is going to be a temporary thing. There's, there's, there's all sorts of oil that is in storage in, in these areas. So there's, there's no shortage of oil. And by the way, they're still producing oil in the Gulf, and they're going to be bringing it up in trucks. So there's no there's no reason for people to worry. And I thought, okay, this is just going to be kind of this nuisance. And the more interesting story was going to be, again, the, the vulnerability to the cyber attack. But that's not how it, it's played out. And and maybe the media has inflamed that by talking shortage, 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 as opposed to simply saying, well, okay, this is a temporary disruption, but th- there's all sorts of, of oil that, that's out there. There's lots of gas that is in storage more than enough to handle to get us through the next week or the next 10 days um, and they're, they're bringing it in via the trucks there there might be you know a, a temporary problem and the price might go up a little bit because of supply and demand like i say but you know you don't you don't need to worry it, it's not going to be like like again 1973 when you're not able to put gasoline in your car and i do admit that the the coverage of this went from rational here's what the facts are to oh my god nobody's going to be able to drive and that's led to some of the stuff so i think there's a lot of blame to go around bottom line is just dial it back i mean you, there, there's no need when we say there's going to be six inches of snow you don't run to need to run to the convenience store and buy every loaf of bread that you can find on on the shelf or every gallon of milk that's there and in this particular case you don't need to again run and sit in line for you know an hour and a half hoping that you can get four gallons of gas to top off your tank but when you do that you make it worse welcome
3: back to jeff wagner on wtmj
1: oh a number of people are also texting if you were listening yesterday our our, our studio controversy steve scafidi saw a mouse in here at 10 o'clock in the morning saw a mouse and we were all <laughs> i, I we, we were discussing, you know, whether there was a mouse, and, and people are. All, I'm getting all these text group producing the show today, and always, what happened to the mouse? Anybody find the mouse? There have been no more mouse sightings, at least as far as I know. I'm going to take. I'm going to take that as a as a good thing. So, and no strange smells thus far. So, if the mouse is somehow. Died under one of these expensive pieces of equipment. We don't know that as of yet. I was secretly hoping that on my drive home during afternoon news, I would hear some sort of "Oh, there's a mouse! There right. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Something like yeah. that. But now it didn't happen. Too no, bad. it hasn't. And, and again, I the, Scafidi is the only one who has seen this mouse. So I, I, I view, I consider him to be, as in general, a reliable witness. But that's I, I have not seen the mouse. And but but people are texting in what's going with the mouse? Well, it's 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 just it's it's our family. We 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 can't have live fans in the studio to watch the shows right now because of covid but you know maybe you know we, we've got the rodent variety that's i mean that works i drew some skepticism too i wasn't sure if steve just sort of said that to sort of plant that into our heads that there might be a mouse running around no he swears he saw it i but, mean now he could be wrong but that's right you know, but so we'll 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 see but for anyway for people who are wondering about the mouse um we we still don't know um i just i, I want to make mention of this because uh, this is a this is a big story. You know, it's, it's interesting that, that if you watch the news tonight, what you're going to find is the lead story in all the major news accounts is going to be the fact that the, this morning the Republicans in the House of Representatives um, tossed Liz Cheney f- um, f- of Wyoming, the, the daughter of the former vice president, tossed her from her leadership position. This is going to be the lead story. It's the lead story in all these newspapers I, I look at, and the, this Liz Cheney ran afoul of republican of other republicans because she was a vocal critic of former president trump she voted for his impeachment um on the, the second time around and and she's been dumped and so the a lot of people are just irate. Oh, this shows the Republican Party, you know, doesn't doesn't care about the truth, and you know, because she didn't buy into the election with stolen stuff. That's why she got dumped and all. And, and it's actually much more complicated than that. The, the truth of the matter is that 2022 provides the Republicans with a great opportunity to take back control of the Senate and the House of Representatives. And I think what's going on is is Liz Cheney, and I like her by the way. Um, I, I think she's kind of become a distraction, and I think. What what you're seeing is Republicans are trying to figure out ways to unite the party. That is, bring you know keep keep the the, the pro Trump element, and then you know bring back other Republicans, and that's the recipe for winning elections. And Lynn, Liz Cheney has become polarizing, and for whatever reason, and she's she's kind of dug in her heels as as well on this. And so, I, yes, you can view this as oh, we're just the Republicans trying to get rid of Liz Cheney. I, I think the the real thing that's going on is Republicans are. Are, are, again, trying to figure out ways to bring everybody together. And it's going to be difficult for that to happen as long as you have a lightning rod like Liz Cheney in there. And I like Liz Cheney. On I, I I like her. If I was in the Republican, if I was in that caucus, would I have voted to dump her? I, I don't know. But it, it's more nuanced, as things frequently are, than just, oh, you know, she refused to buy into the election with stolen stuff. It, there's a lot more going on. But anyhow, that's going to be the, the lead story. I'll tell you what the lead and then it's also going to be this, this gasoline. Lean stuff that we were talking about a couple minutes ago. That's clearly again fueled by the media. Uh, I'll tell you what the lead story should be, and that is that the stock market in the tank. Um, I mean, yet yet again, um, that the, the numbers recently have been awful, and today is no different. Today, the Dow Jones down four hundred. And thirty points. That's another one point two six percent. The Nasdaq, which is tech stocks, that's down almost two point two percent. That's that's down three hundred points. And, and this is this is on the heels of of several other days of of massive declines. And and it really started. Well, it, it started. Certainly on on Thursday or Friday, when the job numbers came out and they expected that there was going to be a million new jobs created and there were only like two hundred and fifty thousand. And now you've, you've got the Biden administration that really is at sea trying to explain it. And the truth is, there's people that, as we've talked about repeatedly, there's people that just are, are deciding that they're not going to go back to work as long as they can make more money um, collecting unemployment and and biden refuses to move off that so employers are stalled because they they can't get people to come to work because they're competing with the benefits that the federal government is paying people that incentivizes them not to go to work and and biden refuses to acknowledge it but today these huge declines one of the things that many smart economists and me have been saying is the problem with, with a lot of the, these stimulus payments where we just kind of like print money and give it out to people is as spending increases, one of the things that you're going to see is that you're going to see prices go up, in inflation come up, and that's that's what's going on. Um, that's what's going on today. Um, the, these numbers are out. The consumer prices, uh, the consumer price index, um, jumped four point two percent. This year, over the last 12 months, and to put it in perspective, that's the biggest 12-month increase in prices since the summer of 2008. Um, Here's the way the Wall Street Journal reports it. Consumer prices surged in April by the most in any 12-month period since 2008 as the recovery picked up, reflecting both rising demand as the pandemic eases and supply bottlenecks. Um, It's... You know, Up 4.2% in April from a year earlier, up 2.6% for the year ended in March. And so what you're seeing is prices are going up dramatically, which is leading to inflation, which is another reason why the stock market is cratering. And and the Biden administration is in complete and total denial about this. And it's like, well, uh, you no, know, we, we think that this is going to be temporary. Well, I, I hope so. But by when you look at... Not enough not enough people being willing to work, prices going through the roof. Um, you put that all together. It's not good indicators for the economy. And you wonder whether the president has a clue as to what to deal with and what to do about it. So if you're wondering why the stock market is in the tank yet again today, today it's consumer prices and it's inflation.
3: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs>
1: The Brew Crew in the palm of your hand. If you live in Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki, and Racine County, you can now listen to The Brewers on the WTMJ mobile app or at WTMJ.com. Bob Euker and The Brewers. Now, easier for you to enjoy on your phone or computer. Download the WTMJ mobile app today. All right, I have to confess. Yesterday, last evening, I did something I almost never do. Almost never do. But I, I was motivated to do it yesterday. What is that? No, it's not what you're thinking. I retweeted something. I almost never retweet stuff because I I find that people who get in trouble with tweets, a lot of times, the majority of the time, it's not necessarily something that they have written and sent out, a lot of times it's something that somebody has sent to them, and they have kind of forwarded it on. And it turns out that maybe they didn't appreciate, you know, the, the nature of this. But anyway, I, I mean, I'm perfectly capable of getting enough trouble myself, based on the things that, that I write, that that's, I just have a general rule that I, I don't retweet stuff. In this case, I, I did. Made an exception. I retweeted something from Congressman Tom Tiffany. All right, so here, here's the deal. Mark Pocan is a very, very liberal congressman out of madison he sent out a tweet on may 11th this is what he said hey uh hashtag uh at quick trip just left your black earth location where at least two different customers weren't following the dane county ordinance to wear masks talk to the manager who cavalierly said you aren't requiring it risking health of employees and customers plus the law response Okay, so that's the congressman calling out the, the quick trip in Black Earth. So Tom Tiffany, who's a Republican congressman from the northwest part of the state, he, he, he sends out the one with a link to that. And he says, hey, at Mark Pocan, as Mideast peace goes up in flames, gas shortages resume, and American work is devalued with unprecedented illegal immigration, you're tweeting about two guys in a quick trip? No response needed. And I thought, yeah, that, is, that does kind of show the, the perspective that's there. You've got the stock market, which is cratering. You've got the Mideast, which is going up in flames with rocket attacks going back and forth. You've got the, the gas problems that we've discussed before going on in the East Coast. Um, you've got one other problem after another. The economy, like I say, struggling mightily. And the congressman in Madison is upset because two guys at a quick trip in Black Earth weren't wearing masks, and the manager wasn't appropriately apoplectic uh, ap- 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 about it. Um, I did retweet that. So if you follow me at Twitter, at Wagner 620 I did pass that one on. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about these capacity limits. I want to talk about how we can get more people to get vaccinated. I've got, I think it's a great idea. Maybe people at the health department won't agree, but I'll suggest we'll discuss and The new nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are announced today. It's all coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Yesterday afternoon, uh, the City of Milwaukee Health Department announced Well, actually, the Brewers and the Bucks announced, but the City of Milwaukee Health Department, which has artificially limited the number of people that can attend games. Remember, these are the same people who said you can't have tailgating at the beginning of the season, A a rule that they, to their credit, they quickly abandoned because it made absolutely no sense. As we talked about at the time, you can you can drive in a car with four of your friends, with three of your friends or four of your friends or whatever. So you can all drive together. Don't have to wear masks or anything like that in your car, be in really close quarters. So you can drive there. You can park in the parking lot, but you can't stand outside in the parking lot behind your car and grill bratwurst. It, it made absolutely no sense, which unfortunately, a, a lot of these sort of health department rules, especially now that people are getting vaccinated, they make absolutely no sense. But in any event, the rule that has been in place for brewers and the bucks have been they they could reopen with fans but extremely limited number of fans so in contrast to say like the texas rangers who play in arlington texas who have been allowed since the beginning of the baseball season to to bring back people and and play to full houses with the understanding that people don't have to go if they don't feel comfortable going in milwaukee it's been very very limited uh at at American family field i'm tempted to say Miller park, but american family field the the rule has been that they could not have more than well a- around twelve thousand people that that's that's been kind of where. Where it is, and you've had to be spread out. It's been very, very artificially limited. I've been to three games this year, and um, I, I've, I have a partial season season ticket, and they've they've moved us from our original spot, and now we're, we're down the first baseline a little bit. Still very good t- seats, but the, in in the row that we're in, there's my buddy and I, and there's only two other people at the end of the aisle. So it's been very, very spread out. And like I say, they draw around 12,000 people or so. It's been worse in some respects for the the Bucks at Pfizer Forum because they've been limited to around 3,000 people. So the... The the powers that be, the Milwaukee Health Department has now said, well, we, we've decided we're we're going to let you have more people, and so starting, I believe, at the very very soon, I don't know if it's this series or the next series or whatever. If you go to a Brewers game, they'll be up to fifty percent capacity, and if you go to a Bucks game, you can have fifty percent capacity, which means there can be like nine thousand people. Now that's that's good for the teams because candidly. I don't. I don't know how the teams have been have been making do. I mean, they, they depend so much on on ticket revenue and the revenue of people buying. You know, beer and buying um, like souvenirs and things like that to artificially limit this way. I'm sure they're just they're just hemorrhaging money. Having some people is better than having no people, but it, it's been bad. And it's also been a situation where a lot of vendors, you know, haven't had the opportunity. People who've worked for years at American Family Field now and before that Miller Park, you know, they, they've been laid off. They, they just don't need the help because, you know, you, you need more people. If you are have 40,000 people there, then you do if you're going to have 10 or 11 or 12,000. So the the city of Milwaukee has now decided in their infinite wisdom that they'll allow increased capacity, which is, don't get me wrong, a very good thing. I I think I think it's outstanding that they are allowing more people to go back to the stands and their justification for this is, well, you know, anybody right now who wants to get vaccinated pretty much can get vaccinated. Now, not everybody is vaccinated, but if you want a vaccination, it's out there. People can, can do this, and so if you want to protect yourself, you can do that, and they're still going to have their mask rules. That's another issue that we'll talk about in a little bit maybe, but, but the rule is they're going to let 50% back. Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It strikes me that this is what I would describe as a half measure. I see no reason why we should not allow the stadium, whether it's Pfizer Forum or whether it's American Family Field, I see no reason why we should now artificially limit capacity. Anybody who wants to get vaccinated can, in fact, get vaccinated. I know they've still got the mask rule in place, although I don't think a lot of people really follow that anymore, and I think there's reasons behind that. But the bottom line of all this is, at this point in time, given the availability of vaccinations, given the fact that we know, particularly outdoors – that the the chances of spread of COVID nineteen is not is not great. I'm not saying it's non-existent, but it's not great. Isn't it time to simply say we're going to open up the stadium and the Brewers can if they can if they can draw forty thousand people they can sell forty thousand tickets 855-616-1620, that's the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text line and if you don't feel comfortable going that's fine I understand it. I personally I've been vaccinated I've had covid I have no concerns about going out in public and I have no concerns about sitting you know in my seats at American Family Field and watching a ball game it wouldn't stop me from going it might stop you and if that's the position you take I respect it I understand it. It's the decision that you are making for yourself. But do we need the government to make that decision? Isn't it time to say, look, there, there's really nothing going on in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that's different than what's going on in Arlington, Texas, or you know Minneapolis, Minnesota. I believe the twins are now up at full capacity, if I, or at least they will be shortly. Is, is this an unnecessary half measure? Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that they're letting more people into the game, and personally – Well, actually, it was kind of nice sometimes to, you know, go with the limited capacity because, like I say, I don't have people crawling all over me to, you know, get out and go to the bathroom in the middle of the inning. If you want to walk up to a concession stand, you can walk right up and get a beer. There's no waiting. So part of me, you know, says, hey, this is kind of cool being, you know, 10,000 in a 40,000 person stadium. On the other hand, you, you miss the dynamic. You miss the vibe. And I know it's just absolutely killing the ball teams. So, all right. Should we open it up? full full capacity let them sell all the tickets let people make a decision as to whether they want to go or not my answer is yes 855-616-1620 which is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line and by the way if they do i'll be there not going to stop me from going how about you
0: jeff wagner on wtmj
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is very clear to me that you know more than the health department because you can apply common sense to this particular situation. It seems to me with vaccine availability, it's time to simply say we're opening stuff up. And if you want to go to a baseball game and you want to buy a ticket, you should be able to do that. And the brewers should be able to sell as many tickets as they possibly can, as opposed to this, like, artificial limit about, hey, we're going to let 15000 in, in, um, we're going to to let twenty thousand in, but not forty thousand in. That makes absolutely no sense, especially since the Brewers—they've they, they, been very, very clear that they're—they're they're not going to do what they've done in the past. Right now, they have like pod seating, where you're, like I say, my buddy and I—we we have two seats, and then there's there's nobody. There's like got to go down eight and up. There's only two other people in the row, so you're you're not. You're, you're not together. You're, you're, you're split up. Well, the, the new arrangement of 50%, you're, you're going to be sitting next to other people. So if you're already going to be doing that, what sense does it make? To, if you're not going to have that social distance and s- distancing, really, and the separation, what difference does it make whether it's 20,000 or whether it's 40,000? You're, you're going to be together with people. It's way past time, I think, in this case, for the Milwaukee Public Health the Milwaukee Health Department to, to wake up and to start looking at some of the things that are going on in the rest of the country and saying there, there's no reason. Um, Let's see. um, Jeff, it makes perfect sense. What you're talking about, but keep in mind this is the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County, and and they have no clue as to what they are doing. Um, Jeff, let's get on with it. The vaccine is available. Jeff, I'm not a fan of pro sports anymore, but that said, we need to open up everything at 100% and let people decide for themselves what they feel comfortable with. Absolutely. And like I say, I respect the fact, look, I think that there are going to be people that are going to be wearing masks for the rest of their life. I, I've said that. I'm not one of them, but I think there are people that are doing that. And if that's what makes you comfortable, I, that, that's fine. Do it. If you don't feel comfortable going into a restaurant, if you don't feel comfortable going to Summerfest, if you don't feel comfortable going to State Fair, if you don't feel comfortable going to a Brewers games or a Bucks game, I respect that. Then, then, but my answer is just don't go. But the government shouldn't be forcing the rest of us not to do that. And they shouldn't be telling these, these businesses, whether it's the Brewers or the Bucks or whatever, that they can't open up at full capacity. Jeff, there's nothing else we can do to keep people safe other than the vaccines, which have been out for months. We should have full capacity. At every function, I, I agree. Jeff, I'm not going to the Brewers game until they open up 100%. Well, my, my response would be, you know, then you're missing out on something. I mean, if, you, if you're a fan of the Brewers, go go to the Brewers. And I will tell you, I I, I have enjoyed going to the handful of games I've gone to this year, good quality baseball, and there's no lines, and and there's nobody around you. You can spread out a little bit. Where I feel bad for is the team that's missing out on the revenue, and I feel bad for all the people who work at... American family field now who, they you know, you work as a, you work as a vendor. Well, they don't need you there uh, because there's not enough people to keep certain stands open. You work as an usher. Don't need as many ushers. You work as, um, gosh, I know one of the ladies that listens to the program on a regular basis. She's one of the parking, takes your parking thing when you, you come in and you go into reserve parking. I, all those things. These are the people that I feel bad about that they're, they're missing out. They're not able to work. They're not able to get their livelihood, in part because we have these artificial restrictions that in the real world make no sense. Um, Let's see, Jeff. Full capacity is long overdue. The Texas Rangers have had full capacity since the beginning of the season without any negative COVID effects. That's from Kevin. Yeah. Remember, that was one of the big tests when when the ranger stadium opened up it's going to be oh this is going to be a super spreader event well you, you haven't seen those those stories you haven't seen the stories that these are huge super spreader events so what, what do we have happening do we think that it's more likely to COVID to spread sitting outdoors in a stadium in milwaukee wisconsin than in arlington texas and, and if so, where, where's that science we're supposed to be following? Jeff, the Tennessee Volunteers are going to be opening up their baseball stadium um, full uh, full tilt as they have the number one Arkansas Razorbacks in this weekend. By the way, they don't even require masks. Jeff, the Braves in Atlanta are now open for full capacity. We should have that choice, too. The Brewers don't have a huge TV deal. They need their gate. And by the way, fans want baseball. Well, there's There's a lot of that that's out there jeff here's a thought if you've had the shot you shouldn't worry if you're not going to get the shot you're probably not worried right well yeah that's that's been my argument all, all along and it's especially now that you have the vaccines that are available people get to make those decisions jeff i agree it's about time to open it up and speaking of milwaukee when will the mask mandate be over When will the mask mandate be over? If the Milwaukee Health Department gets its way and the people don't put pressure on their elected officials, I'm not sure the mask mandate in Milwaukee will ever end. And I mean that. I don't have my tongue in cheek there. I mean that sincerely. Um, Jeff, my neighbor just left the box office empty-handed for tomorrow and for a later game. Well, tomorrow it's still the um, it's still with the reduced capacity. I, I don't know what other games he was looking for, but the bottom line is we're ready to get back here. And and I, I appreciate the half measure of the the public health czar saying, okay, we're, we're going to open it up to fifty percent. All right, but but it really open it up all the way. I mean, it's kind of like being half pregnant at this point. You've got the game that's opened up. You've got, it's opened up 50%. Let it be a hundred percent. If, If somehow something happens in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it's not happening anywhere else in the country and it turns into, oh, gee, we've had a bunch of COVID cases that we can trace to the brewers. Well, okay, maybe maybe you come up with a plan B, but I don't think anybody really thinks that that is going to happen. Bottom line is I understand why you had a lot of these public health rules, but things have changed and applying the rules. And the standards that we did six, eight months ago after there's a vaccine, to me, that's just not valid. Let people attend games if they want. Let's let the Brewers make some money. Let's let the Bucks make some money. Let's open up State Fair. Let's open up Summerfest. Let's get back to normal. This is Jeff Wagner.